Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. We have uh, Aidan McLaughlin out of Havelock North and Andrew Gordy out of... uh convalescing bay somewhere in Auckland I don't know exactly his address and I won't put that out publicly because uh, you'll be all over trying to go around and see him and take him flowers and wish him all the best so I won't uh, I won't uh, extend that any further Andrew Gordy good morning to you uh, we always ask you how you're going are you running around the block yet not not running around the block I've just I've just been for a, for a brisk walk though that's about where I'm at uh, at the moment Smithy. Um and just in terms of my location I'm a, I'm a strange one of those strange hybrids, um, you know, Auckland but, um, out of Christchurch kind of thing. So, yeah, a bit of a bit of a mess there. Okay, we'll leave it on that theme then. Uh, Canterbury versus Wellington. Leave Canterbury versus Wellington um, was low down on my pecking order, but since you brought it up uh, this weekend, it's uh, going to be big down in Christchurch. It's going to be huge down in Christchurch. And I really think I need to seize on this opportunity to raise with your listeners. I'm not sure if, if everyone's aware of this, um, but. Canterbury is absolutely dominating uh, the finals this this weekend across the board. I think, you know, we've got Canterbury, we've got Mid Canterbury and South Canterbury all involved. And, you know, I, I, I know you'll be a big fan of me raising this, Smithy, but it really does highlight just what a, what a stronghold of, of, of the great game uh, Canterbury is. Um, and we've got, we've got a lot to thank Canterbury for, the Canterbury region, for, um, you know, bulking up, I suppose, and, and holding up um, the 15-man code in this nation. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, God, pass me a bucket. What, what's going on there? <laughs> Good Godfather. Jesus. I, <laughs> I mean, that, that is the sure sign of a man who's got too much time to think at the moment. That's what I can say. <laughs> Good look, Godfather. Um, look, on, a, on a more serious note, on a more serious note, it's, gonna be, it's actually going to be a cracking final, isn't it? I think both of these, I mean, we've got the right finalists for a start, haven't we? Canterbury and Wellington have been yep. two outstanding teams of this competition this year. Um, and and I suppose you know, especially given that Canterbury's hosting it, it's re- it's really on them to deliver. But you know, without question, you know, I've got some uh, pretty horrible memories of uh, that I'm regularly reminded of actually by Wellington fans that they have beaten Canterbury in, a, in one or two finals over the years. Um, and I'm sure there's a few players in this team that, that in this Wellington team in particular um, that have a bit of a, a point proof perhaps to to national selectors. Um, mm-hmm. CJ Pedernada being one of them, and, and probably Julian Savia being another. Um, you know, the drums have been beating a, a little bit for Julian Savia, haven't they? So, um, look, his form's been impressive. Um, and, look, they'll, they'll love nothing more than going down to the 03 and, uh, and causing a bit of an upset down there. But, look, it's hard to, for me, especially, it's hard to look past uh, Canterbury. And I, I certainly hope George Bridge goes out on a high. Just on that note, I think it's a little bit sad, actually. Like, I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that George Bridge was, 
was a was a starting All Black, wasn't he? I mean, his form was was absolutely mm. outstanding, and it just shows, I suppose, and, and highlights the depth of stock we have in our outside backs that a, that a talent like George Bridge, who I'm sure he would agree, his form um, has slipped. But we know there's a talented player there, and at 27 years old, he's heading offshore, heading over to to Montpellier. And um, you know, on one hand, you can look at it as uh, almost kind of a case of what might have been for George Bridge, but equally, it's it's hard to argue that he he is on the outer. Um, of the of the uh, the mind of the All Black selectors and and it is hard to imagine him getting into an All Black squad for next year. You know, you'd almost need like a a 2011 Rugby World Cup scenario where you you saw you know Dan Carter, Colin Slade, and Pity Weeper all drop out for for um, you know Stevens come uh, come in and uh, and save the day. It would need something similar to that, I think, to get George Bridge back in the frame. So wish him all the best and certainly yeah. hope he goes out on a high. Yeah, that would be George Bridge out of uh, Hawke's Bay, of course, out of Lindisfarne College, uh, just throwing that in. Uh, right, uh, let's get to uh, Aidan McLaughlin and uh, get some more balance in the show. Um, Silver Ferns, Aidan McLaughlin, um, they can uh, wrap up the Constellation Cup tonight. Uh, they can win the first three against Australia, and I've got to say, I did not see this coming. Yeah, morning, Smithy, and morning, Andrew. And, um, <clears throat> Andrew, thank you for just reminding us all that... Uh, Canterbury are set to be the, the Penrith Panthers of uh, domestic rugby this season in New Zealand, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, some of Burns, yeah, great start over those first couple of games, wasn't it? A uh, few changes for the, for, for the return fixtures over in Australia. Uh, I know that um, Dame Nolene is looking to rotate the squad a bit. She's looking to build a bit of depth, and the likes of uh, Sula Fitzpatrick and Peter Toyaba staying at home and Maddie Gordon and Ellie Toomey are going over. Um, but what's interesting to me is not only the, the chance to win the Constellation Cup, but the circumstances surrounding the Diamonds at the moment. You know, the, there's a bit of disarray in the, in the camp there with this, uh, this sponsorship storm. So it's going to be interesting to see how those Diamonds actually respond to everything that's going on around them at the moment. And it could well be that it's just a great opportunity for the Silver Ferns to get in there and get that third win in a row. It's going to be really interesting. It is, actually. Uh, we'll take a, a short break. We've got Aidan McLaughlin and uh, Andrew Gordy with us this morning. Uh, we'll have some news, and when we come back, uh, some more issues, of course, to deal with. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. Yeah, big game, too, that for the West Indies. They wouldn't want to be losing two in a row in the qualifying section of the T20 World Cup. Um, and we'll stay on that subject, actually, Aidan McLaughlin, because rumours are uh, going around that Steve Smith may well miss that first encounter against uh, the Black Caps this Saturday night in Sydney. Yeah, potentially the changing of the guard in, in this format of the game. I think, Smithy, um, Tim David is, uh, seems to be the man who's going to start that game, and he's been in great form, hasn't he? You know, he's uh, interesting. He's, he's 26 years old, and he actually played for Singapore before he... He made his debut for Australia, which is only about a month ago. But uh, in the T20 format, he is absolutely on fire. He's played well for Australia in the games over the last few months, and he's had great BBL success in the past. He's played for the Mumbai Indians. So I think it is, in this format of the game at least, uh, probably the beginning of the end for Steve Smith. Um, and it's probably his least effective format anyway. Uh, ODI and especially test matches, I think he's still got a long way to go. I think he's only 33, so he'll be playing those for a long time. But, yeah, I think someone like Tim David coming in, although it is surprising, um, it is understandable. So, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how Tim David goes. Yeah, uh, Gord, uh, let's stay on the subject of cricket. 
I'm lucky enough to be able to be there on Saturday night. Flight's all going well. I, uh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm going to go to the SCG with a bucket load of confidence on what I'm seeing, though, to be fair. No, I completely agree with you, Smithy, and I'm not surprised at all to hear you say that for a couple of reasons. Um, New Zealand's form in this format hasn't exactly been red hot uh, in the, in the tri-series, and I know it's going to be different conditions, etc. over in Australia, um, but that's almost kind of the point, isn't it? We're playing Australia first up in, in, the, in the opening match of a T20 World Cup in their backyard. Um, we know that the Black Hats have regularly had their, had their challenges against Australia, uh, playing in Australia, obviously. Um, so it's a, it's a huge mountain to climb. And look, just going back to the Steve Smith point, um, yeah, the, you, you may well be right, Aidan, in terms of, you know, this might be the beginning of the end for Steve Smith, um, his least effective format. Perhaps other players are informed, but at any time the Black Caps uh, in any format of the game uh, don't have to face Steve Smith, I, I'd, I'd say that's a, that's a good day at the office. Um, he's a talented player. He's got the, he's got the big game experience, big tournament experience, obviously. Um, so I think the Black Caps would be happier uh, to not be facing him, and I think they need every, every sort of sort of ounce of luck I think they can get because it doesn't feel like this New Zealand's T20 side has has the same sort of um, I don't want to say fear factor, but I, I just don't have the same level of confidence in them. But that, that said, we know they've got some players uh, in this team, particularly in the bowling ranks. So I'm more confident in the bowlers than I am sort of the the batters, I think, um, still less than convinced about what's going on at the top of the order. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, to see which way Gary Stead leans in that regard. But, yeah, they've got to get the runs on the board. There's going to be a lot of a lot of pressure, I think, on Devin Conway to continue delivering. Mm. Uh, Kane Williamson as well. But, yeah, Finn Allen, um, yeah, less than convinced about, about his performances. And I think, I think he needs to stand up and deliver in this first game. I don't think we've got the sluggers, and I'm using a baseball term here. Yeah. I, I, I don't think we've got enough home run hitters in our unit, to be perfectly honest. Uh, at the moment, anyway, we may uh, uncover one or two, but just on what I'm seeing, we, we tend to more work the ball around and manufacture a score than slug our way to it, and I think uh, in Australia, in the good conditions, the sluggers might prevail this time around. We shall see. Uh, that may well not be the case. Radio uh, Aiden, here's a subject um, you may be familiar with. Uh, in terms of uh, English rugby clubs, Wasps and Worcester going into administration, uh, which also includes, uh, in terms of the Wasps, uh, John Mitchell and uh, his coaching role and Brad Shields in his playing role uh, amongst the redundancies. Now, how concerning, how alarming is this on the basis was they can't be the only two under pressure, surely? No, definitely not. Uh, and it's interesting that these have happened in relatively quick succession, but equally... They've been building up for a number of years. Um, so there's definitely other clubs in, in trouble. And I think it's been a real slow burn for, for English premiership clubs. You know, they're all uh, they're op- they're privately owned. Uh, there's a lot of benefactors there um, who are pumping their own money in. And they're, they're really just, there's a lot of gambling going on with those, those premiership clubs in terms of putting money in to try and keep the, the, the clubs competitive and keep the value of the club up. I mean, in Wasp's case, it's got very, very messy because effectively what they've done um, over the last eight or so years is they've gone and they've bought a stadium. So they, they kind of skipped around a few football stadiums for a few years. Um, I remember going to Loftus Road, QPR's ground about 20 years ago, and they were playing there with Gatland and Sean Edwards in charge. And then they went to Wickham, 
Um, and then they've, they've bought a, a, a stadium in Coventry. And, you know, for context, Coventry is closer to Birmingham than it is London. It's about 100 miles away from, from West London where they're originally based. So they've, they've tried to buy an asset to be able to have more supporters, to be able to grow revenue. But equally, they've done it 100 miles away from home. So they've been losing money. They've been trying to, 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 to stay competitive. They're still paying big wages. You know, they've had the likes of Curtly Beal in there, Cipriani. You talked about Brad Shields. So they've kept bringing in the big names with the big wage bill, and it's just not working. So there's bound to be other clubs in similar circumstances. Certainly have to be, uh, Gordon. To me, you know, uh, and this is uh, a pathway for a lot of uh, New Zealand players towards the end of their careers or ones that don't quite make the cut. Um, and that pathway might be shutting down. Yeah, look, this is all really kind of, it's hard not to look at it as though this is symptomatic of like English Premier League football culture, where you have rich owners uh, with these grand dreams, I suppose, of building up uh, their club um, to be like Manchester City, for example, um, and having all the all the glory, I suppose, that comes with that. But there's also a flip side of that, which is gross mismanagement of, of clubs. Um, the most recent, um, like, as you know, I'm probably I'm a more close follower of English Premier League football than I'm English Premiership rugby, but Burnley is probably the, the classic example most recently. Um, like, there was some pretty damning figures released towards the end of last season, which highlighted just how costly it was going to be for this club if they were relegated from the Premier League. That's happened, and I can... I feel very confident saying you won't see Burnley up uh, in the Premier League anytime soon because they are just in an almighty hole. And this is, it's quite clear that this sort of level of mismanagement is what's going on with English Premiership rugby as well. I feel very, very sorry for um, the players, that, players, yes, but the, the staff more so and, and, the, and not even sort of the senior, the senior um, men's players and things like that. Like they'll, they'll find other clubs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's it's the staff at a lower level who who I mean I saw a, I even saw a tweet this morning from someone who's now unemployed and was essentially putting a plea out there like I'm a skilled person um, I'm looking for work I'm prepared to do anything and that's what these people are sort of having to having to do now. Um, but look, John Mitchell, Brad Shields, they'll find other work, they'll find other clubs I'm sure. But to to broaden it out, I suppose it's got to be a concern for English Premiership rugby that that a club like Wasps is, is clearly not big enough to fall um, and others will, I'm sure, be, be in a similar boat. And boy, I bet New Zealand rugby sitting back here going, gee, I'm glad we haven't given up complete control of our super rugby clubs because that would be the fear, wouldn't it? That, that if you put those, these clubs, um, which are absolutely essential to the ongoing ecosystem of New, Zealand's, uh, New Zealand professional rugby, um, if you hand it over complete control, you just don't know where they might end up. So... I'm sure New Zealand rugby is pretty happy that they they retain um, a, a strong controlling stake in, in each of their Super Rugby franchises. Totally agree. I, I think it's uh, very very concerning actually, and they are proud names. Worcester, yes, uh, Wasps, absolutely. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that, gentlemen. Uh, I was going to ask you. Uh, we've run out of time. I was going to ask you, um, Andrew Gordy, All Blacks only. All Blacks to pertain only to the All Blacks, yeah. Yeah, um, just obviously um, enjoyed your sermon this morning, Smithy, and, and honestly, I, I agree with every word of it. I, I hate the cheapening of the All Blacks brand. Um, the point I was going to raise, I suppose, is I'm sure if you had someone from New Zealand Rugby on the show, they would say, well, we had to do it to, to recognise the value in the brand. 
um, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? You cheapen the brand to recognise the value in it. But I, I, I do wonder, I, I can't help but wonder whether it was necessary. I mean, the All Blacks is, like you say, it's the pinnacle team um, and it is a pinnacle, pinnacle brand, I suppose, um, along with the, the, the sorts of names that you mentioned. And, and those, those clubs, they get by, don't they? But it is a different um, environment, I suppose, that New Zealand rugby is operating on, in, well, sorry, within. Um, we know the, the financial challenges that they face and which lead to the Silver Lake deal. But would Silver, I suppose the question is, would Silver Lake have not been interested in taking on a share of New Zealand rugby and I suppose the All Blacks brand if the All Black brand had just been restricted to our senior men's national rugby team? I still think mm. the deal would have been there. So to me, it's not a necessary thing. I would be quite happy, like you say, for us to have, you know, the New Zealand men's sevens team, the New Zealand, um, you know, women's sevens team, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think we need that All Blacks brand trickling down to every single team that we have because, like you say, it just cheapens it. And, and now it feels like it adds to that idea that the mystique of the All Blacks is being eroded away, not just through on-field performance, but how they're being re- represented through marketing off the field as well. Andrew Gordy and Aidan McLaughlin have been our panellists this morning. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, enjoy the T20 uh, World Cup coming up and uh, a feast of other sport as well on the agenda. Uh, thanks for being part of the panel. Ricardo will have another one uh, tomorrow morning uh, around about the same time. Uh, it's coming up at uh, 10.44 here on SCNZ. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.